Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Bird, very passionate. Bird, Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Dolphins sucks. Come on, an unbeliever. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined on the line, as always, by the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, my colleague and co-host, none other than Michael Lagaris, everyone. Hello, Jet fans. And we got him back with us this week. You know him. You love him. He's the majestic beast, the big stinking Wookiee, Nicholas Kronk is in the building. What's up, Kronk? What is going on, everybody? Where were you last week, guys? We had the bye week. We're coming off the heels. Well, we were coming off the heels last week of that loss to the Pats. We're going to get into that in a minute. Dropped us to, uh, to 0-9, Mike. Dropped us into the depths here, and some people might have been rooting for that field goal to go in at the end. Some people might not have been rooting for the field goal. We're going to touch on all that. We'll touch on Desir. We're actually going to throw you guys some nuggets of hope, too, some things to look forward to next year for the Jets to hold on to. Prior to us doing that, Mike, I'd like to address a former Jet player that for some reason can't keep the Jets out of his mouth, and his name is Jamal Adams. Something that exists in the world now where what social media has been able to do for people is allow people to do their best to control their own narrative in life. And that's a good thing in some ways. It's a bad thing in some ways. Now, if people, Mike, I mentioned this to you, if people want to watch something that's really informative as to what social media does to us, you should watch this documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. And it explains to you how people use social media to control their narrative. What I mean by that, Jet fans, what I'm getting to is Jamal Adams acts as if the Jets did him wrong. He acts as if the Jets dragged his name through the mud and threw him out into the cold. And Joe Douglas drove up and a reporter asked him a question and Joe Douglas says, yeah, I'm trying to get Jamal Adams out of here. He acts like he didn't rip the owner of the team, without knowing if he did anything or didn't do anything over in the UK. He acts like he didn't rip the coach, rip the franchise, publicly try to force the trade. He acts like none of those things happened. All those things did happen. He got what he wanted, this guy. Okay, immaturity issues the whole way through. We get it. You want to you paint the Jets in a certain picture immediately after you don't get what you want monetarily? Ironically enough, that's when you have a problem with the team? People from New York are not that stupid, bro. Just so you know, bro. People from New York are not that stupid. Right when you didn't get your money, you had a problem. You don't think people noticed that? And when I'm talking about controlling your narrative, the timeline of Jamal Adams and the way he's acted and his immaturity, it bothers me. It bothers me because you're taking a team like the Jets who this year now are 0-9, but all of this happened before this season. We just came off the most wins 
the Jets have had with him on the Jets. We went 7-9 last year. And I got to hear about you going home and being depressed. Oh, my God. And you're, you're at home and you don't have the lights on. And you're so upset that you don't have the TV on either. But you know what he does have, Mike and Wook? He does have that phone in his hand where he lets the mm. world know his emotions, right? Everybody knows Jamal Adams' emotions last year. And now we know them again this year. I'm going to be 40 or 40 years old tomorrow, guys. Now, Jamal Adams is 25. When I was 25, I look back on me being 25 now that I'm 40 and say there's there's ways I could have acted more mature. But I'll tell you one thing I never did when I was 25 is call my dad to complain about my job. Like an absolute Generation Z millennial clown. That's what you sound like. When you go on a talk show and you say, I was depressed, I called my dad, my dad was calling my agent because I was sad. Do you even fathom how much of a clown you look like when you do that? If you want to be respected as an actual man in the world, act like a man. Act like a man, okay? Now, the great players, Mike, he said Michael Jordan was his dude, right? Michael Jordan's first year, the Bulls stunk. His second year, he got hurt. They stunk. His third year, they stunk. Did Michael Jordan call his dad and try to find a way out of Chicago? Did he go home and cry in the darkness and look for a way out? No, he's a great one. The great ones overcome. They figure out a way to be part of the solution, not look for the exit the first time they can. Okay? Wayne Gretzky. Let's name some other great ones. Wayne Gretzky came into the league. The first two years of the league, the Oilers stunk. He managed to have a pretty good career. He stuck around there for 10 years. Joe Montana comes into the league. Doesn't even start his first year. His first year as a starter in 81, they stink. He managed to turn it around. There's a laundry list, and we all know the players, guys. You all know players that had to fight through some years at the beginning of their career where the team wasn't that great. But the end result is they're part of the solution. Jamal Adams never wanted to be part of the solution. He just wanted us to pat him on the back. Tell me how great I am. Tell me how great I am. This team stinks, but I don't stink. When you approach it like that, you're not part of the team. And he was never part of the team, and now I see that. And now that you're taking shots at the Jets three months after you got traded, like you got done wrong by the Jets, and you're still mad about something? Bro, what are you mad is, about? This is classic. It's classic, man. You could see right through what this is. He's, he's picking on the Jets. They're an easy target, and he's doing it because he's insecure because he's not doing well in a winning culture like Seattle. Seattle's 0-2 since starting 6-1 and and 0-2 with him in the lineup. And he's getting uh, the media attacking him, saying, quote-unquote, you, th- you have to think Seattle expected a safety that would be willing to try and tackle for two first-rounders. And all, all the comments, all the Twitter, all the... He's not the guy like he was in New York. We didn't have anybody, so he was everything we had. Exactly. In Seattle, you have a lot of superstar players, okay? And Seattle expects their superstar players to execute. And now that the pressure is on you... Now that the media is on you, now clips of you not being able to tackle and floating out there on first take, and hmm. and well, now you feel a little bit insecure. So what do you yeah. do? Like a like a child, 
like a child, you go and attack your old buddy who everyone is making fun of right now to try to look like you're the bigger, badder dude. Like Keith said, you're a child, man. That's 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 what kids do. And then call talking about your dad. We're in about and you're 25 year old millionaire talking about your dad, bro. That's I mean, and you know, I bet you that Seahawks fans thought to give up to first for a guy that when he fills the hole and Malcolm Brown's coming, he's going to try to make that tackle, not shy away from it because he's making a business decision, which is what happened. Go ahead and Google it. Seattle fans are all over him. And I know it could sound overly critical, but after the game, and this is what I'm talking about, about controlling your narrative. Now, somebody who actually is maybe injured or somebody who is not looking for you to pat them on the back, someone who's not a narcissist, you know, people who are narcissists, they need you to tell them how great they are at all times. They don't want to hear you criticize them. They need to be patted on the back at all times. After the game, the first person to say, man, this guy played with an injury. He really fought through it was Jamal Adams himself. Just so you know that. He made sure right after the game to say, no, nah, I was injured, man. I had to fight through it. Like, let someone else say that. You know what I mean? Like, this is somebody. Right. I'm getting fired up, guys, because it just seems like Jets and Jamal Adams went their separate ways, right? Was what it was. We had some acrimony at the end. We got upset about it. Some Jet fans, some people thought it was a good move. Some people thought it was a bad move, et cetera, et cetera. We did shows about it. Jet fans know about it, but it's over with. It's over no, with. It's over. it's over with, bro. We moved on. You moved on. You're doing your thing. Like, the Jets were 5-11, and 11, then 4-12 and 12 his first two years. We were 7-9 and nine last year, and this dude's going on shows talking about I was depressed sitting in the darkness. You know what I'm saying? What are you talking about? And, and and he couldn't even look at the bigger picture. He couldn't even see what's on the horizon. Well, right. he's sitting he, in the dark. Yeah, he's sitting in the dark. You're right. He's not able to see. But Nick, do you know what? Ask me what team is going to have the most cap space of any team in the National Football League going into the 2021 free agency. What team is that going to be, Mike? The New York Jets. <laughs> Why don't you ask me, Nick? What team is going to have the best draft capital going into the 2021 NFL draft? And what team would that be? That's going to be the New York Jets. And let me ask you something else, Nick. Who, who's going to probably have the number one pick in the NFL draft and have the best coaching prospect of any NFL team coming up in 2021? Uh, the New York Jets? That's right, the yes. New York Jets. And if Jamal Adams was smart, he would understand that nobody's going to pay him like the Jets. And the Jets are just starting to foundationally rebuild. And it's unfortunate what happened with Sam Darnold. It's unfortunate that what happened with Adam Gase. It's unfortunate where we are now, but it's not like 2017. It's not like 2014. And it's not even like 1996. We have weapons to build this team we have the capital yeah. to build why don't you speak a little bit about that Keith? you know i'm gonna get into the details and i want to give jet fans something to feel positive about to feel good about something that you know some little tidbits that you maybe know of but you don't know the details of and mike just one last thing before i do that with adams the truth is he knew this year was going to be a rough year for the jets and he bailed bottom right. line Bottom line. Okay, that's all I got to say about Jamal Adams. And that's the type of player you are. That's the type of person you are. And you'll be like that in your entire career. Now, getting to the New York Jets and what Mike was getting to a moment ago when it comes to cap space, when it comes to draft picks. Jet fans, here's some things to be excited about. Next year, 
The floor for the cap is going to be about $175 million, Mike. That's the floor. It could still be – this year the cap was about $198 million. Next year we're looking at $175 million at the lowest. It could still be $198 or above depending on how the revenue is supposed to end of this year. But what we're looking at for the New York Jets is about $83 million in cap space. Now, there's not many teams that can contend with that. The Jacksonville Jaguars will have a lot of money. The Colts will have a lot of money. But how the how the cap works is that you can carry over extra money from one year to the next. So we have thirty extra million dollars this year. That'll carry over to the to the cap next year. Say the floor even goes down to one hundred and seventy five million. Say that is the floor. The Jets will still have between um, seventy and ninety million dollars in cap space, even if that happens. So we'll be in a good spot monetarily either way. Money wise, all these things Joe Douglas has been doing. Now, we have, we have an 0-9 record. Everywhere you look, Jets are a laughing stock. I totally understand. It's deserved. Uh, with Adam Gase as our coach, we're going down the tubes. A lot of Jet fans for a long time, Mike, what we say to ourselves is, well, next year, right? Oh, we'll do it next year. Maybe next year will be better. And it's unfortunate that we've had to put ourselves in those shoes so often. You know, we all know what I'm saying. Nine years, we haven't been in the playoffs. This will make it 10 years. The difference now, as opposed to the past, when we've had hope for the future, is all the things I just mentioned when it comes to salary flexibility. When it comes to this free agent class, which is probably, arguably, the greatest free agent class, maybe of all time, guys. And now, we're going to look at some of the holes we have, but and we will run through it all now. We'll do a show in the future. But just think about the fact that the Jets will have the most money of any team, Right. We'll probably have the first pick in the draft and draft Trevor Lawrence. We'll have a brand new coach. When it comes to wide receivers, guys, I mean, just wide receivers by themselves, Juju Smith-Schuster, Allen Robinson, Corey Davis, Fuller, Godwin, Galladay, Fulham from the Eagles who popped up this year, Lazard, uh, Allen from the Chargers, Watkins, Hilton, A.J. Green, tons of wide receivers will be out there. Mike, obviously a need for us right there. We can maybe draft one guy. Maybe Mims is the real deal, and you sign a good guy. All of a sudden, your wide receiver core turns around in one year, okay? Offensive linemen, uh, maybe not as many, but Pouncey's out there. Stanley's out there. Bacchiardi's out there from uh, Green Bay, maybe. Now, some of these guys might get signed before this, uh, the end of the season. We know that. But Sheriff, Trent Williams, running back, Kenyon Drake, Gurley, Kamara, Cook. Now, those guys might get franchised. But Kamara, Cook, and Mixon, all those guys are up. Leonard Fournette, Freeman, Connor, Aaron Jones, Carson from Seattle, Philip Lindsay. That's just offensive skill positions, Mike. Yeah, you're talking about a free agent class next year like we've never seen. And then you look even, Mike, when it comes to some of the defensive players, um, you got guys like Ngakwe, you got Bruce Irvin, you got Alden Smith, Cam Hayward, uh, Demario Davis, Houston, Von Miller. Ingram from the Chargers, Clowney will be a free agent, Levante David, Shaq Barrett from the Bucks. I'm going to probably sign him, but him or David, one of those two guys is going to be a free agent. They probably can't bring them both back. Um, Jalen Ramsey, Patrick Peterson, Richard Sherman, Josh Norman, um, McCordy, Hayden. Guys, there's absolute top of the NFL level talent. We just mentioned a whole bunch of names and a whole bunch of those guys, say 50%, will get re-signed. But all those guys ain't getting franchised, Mike. Not next year. No, not 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 at the caps dropping. And there's teams that you look at plenty of teams like the Saints being the one that's going to be in the toughest situation that are projected for next year. The current the current money they'll have on the cap for next season is about two hundred seventy million dollars. They might be a hundred million dollars over the cap. That's one team I mentioned. So there's many teams like that. Teams are not going to be in a position to franchise tag guys like they were in the past. So if you have a lot of money this free agency year, as opposed to other years, it's beneficial. There's no better year 
to have a big piggy bank to go get some free agents than this year. And you could see guys get cut. I mean, like a guy like Mike Evans. You know, Tampa Bay is going to have to, you know, shed. They're going to have to pay Godwin. So you're not going to pay Godwin and Evans and be able to keep Brady and all that. They're going to have to. So you could see Evans. And I think out of those two guys, Mike, I think Godwin's the guy. Evans is obviously absolutely tremendous. But I think Evans is about his eighth or ninth year. So I think Godwin's the guy out of those two guys you go with. I I think, Wookie, what do you think, mate? Uh, Evans or Godwin, long term, you think you stick with Godwin? Oh, yeah. I I mean, he's younger and he's, uh, I mean, he's shown to be when when he's at at his best, just as good. Um, he can have just as many good games as Evans can. So I, I would go with him, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. and also, you know, we it would suck. Left. It would suck if you had him in fantasy this year with Antonio oh, Brown. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and I'll say this, guys, it. that you know, you have people like Jamal Adams trying to throw as much dirt on the Jets as humanly possible. But uh, say the Jets didn't even have yeah. a great draft position next year, and I just mentioned that salary cap flexibility they have, and all those free agents. You say to yourself, just free agency wise. They should be able to add a lot more talent than they have this year, right? No brainer. But we do have plenty of draft picks. This is the second half of the hope that we want to instill in everyone because everybody knows we have draft picks. I don't know if they know the details because our boy Joe Douglas has made some trades as the year has gone on. He traded Avery Williamson. He traded Steve McClendon. He traded Willis away to San Francisco. All three of those trades netted us picks in the 2022 draft. So what Joe Douglas is doing is not just looking ahead to next year, he's looking at the year past that as well. Just getting into the next two years, here's a little, a couple of little nuggets for us to feast on, guys, and feel good about if you're a Jet fan, if you're looking for some positives here. Well, we have 18 picks in the next two drafts. In the next two drafts, 18 picks. We have four firsts in the next two years, nine picks in the first three rounds the next two years, five 2021, four of them in 2022. And then we have nine picks in rounds four through six in 2021 and 2022. So Joe Douglas has done a great job of getting us draft capital. And it's one of the things, along with the salary cap flexibility that we have, where if we do make the right decisions in the draft, we could turn this around real quick, Mike, because we're talking about having the number one pick potentially, having a pick with Seattle that, depending on where they finish in the playoffs, will be somewhere between the 20th pick and the 32nd pick, you know, Um, having a a second-round pick that's going to be the top of the draft. So next year, um, in the first five rounds, the Jets are going to have five picks. Excuse me, in the first three rounds, the Jets will have five picks. And then they have the top pick of the fourth round also. So if they make the right selections next year, if they're prudent when it comes to free agency, as soon as next season, the Jets could be good again. They could be, and if you look at the young core of players that we have, going even back on to Monday Night Football when we played, when we lost to the New England Patriots, you had guys that you can see as the building blocks for this team. Bless on Austin had 12 total tackles, mm-hmm. or nine solo, and one pass defended. He was great. You know, Florenzo Fatukasi had another really strong game. Look yep. at De- Denzel Mims. I'm telling you all, folks, I've been telling you from day one about this kid you could see it you know you can see you can see see he looks he he just looks different we have had such bad receiver play aside from Robbie Anderson for so long Mike the his height and speed that he moves with it just looks different than everyone else on the field when he gets the ball for us he does it does and I'm really excited about him even uh I thought that LaMichael P Ryan could have had a better game but you do see some flash there with him and of course we have uh our left tackle who was out but he'll be back again this week we know he's been really tremendous and how about the game 
out of our safety, Ashton Davis. Did you see that hit? Like, remember last year Ooh. with Renfro? <laughs> Yo, this one was just as powerful, man. He hit the quarterback, crushed him. Now, they said that he jumped off the line or whatever. Oh, no, it was helmet to helmet. It was not helmet to helmet. His helmet was under his uh, the helmet. I thought that was a legal hit, and it was just so just disastrous. They had to do something. He almost killed him out there. So good for him. Yeah, he played great. That was that was a clean hit. And he did that. He never passed offended during the game. He was all over the place during the game. No, what do you think about John Franklin Myers? One thing the tank is giving us, guys like Myers, guys like Davis, one thing this tank job's giving us is that we're trading away and shedding so much roster of anyone that's even remotely valuable to teams that could use him. We and we'll get into it in a moment. We cut to Sear um yesterday, Mike. Not that not that we're getting anything for him, but they're just getting rid of so many guys that have any type of contract. Or guys that when the season started, we looked at as the actual starters. And guys like Myers and guys like Davis are coming in. We're getting to see what they can actually do. And that's what you need to do with a team like this. With a team that's 0-9, Mike, we need to just let every single player on this team that we think has a chance at producing in the future get a shot out there and have a better idea of what we actually have at the end of the season than playing guys like Gore um, or anyone, you know, who, who is, you know, an, a player that probably isn't going to be someone that's going to be there for the future. Just get guys like Meyer and get Davison, get P. Ryan in, throw the ball to Mims 15 times a game. So, you know, that's, so that's what we need to be doing. So on that, Wookie, let me ask you a question. You heard what Keith right. said. And I agree with I agree with Keith. Um, if I were Joe Douglas, that's what I would do, too. But how do we get somebody like James Morgan to start at quarterback when you've already invested in a guy like Joe Flacco. Because to Keith's point, I don't care about Joe Flacco, okay? Joe right. Flacco's not going to do anything for me. Joe Flacco's a stopgap when my team is winning so that we don't lose games. Well, we're already doing nine. So, in my opinion, we go with Joe Morgan. But if they did that, yeah, I didn't even you know they're tanking, right? So how, do you, how would you finesse that if you were the general? It's a good yeah. question. Well, you 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 like uh, like the Giants did when they sat Eli. They they wanted to give Geno Smith a look. Like nobody knew what Geno Smith could do. But at we this did. point, yeah, good point. You've got a better. I mean, it fits better in this narrative because you don't know what this kid can do. So you can easily say we we want to give the kid a shot. Uh, we, we you know Joe is is a confident backup. We're you know we're sure he's gonna you know any. You know, the toe the company line type of stuff. But you could definitely get away with it if you want to give the kid a shot. Because I know anyway, I know for a fact that, that Joe Douglas is getting blown up by Senor. Senor is, as we know, pissed. Pissed <laughs> that, that the Jets went and got him. But, yo, we got to give Senor a lot of credit because if it wasn't for Senor, the Jets may not have found their franchise field goal kicker. I'll let Keith get a little bit into that. Sergio Castillo, obviously, he's Senor's, Senor's oldest nephew. We know he was raised on Los Dobbins of Los Huevos, and he's becoming very quickly becoming a Jet legend, Mike, as we know. And, you know, if there's not many Latino kickers in the league, and not many of them are from Los Huevos. Um, I know he's born in Texas, but spent most of his life growing up in Los Huevos, as we all know, played on all different types of teams. And you're talking about our boy here. You mean the Houston Roughnecks, San Antonio Commanders, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Ottawa Red Blacks. I mean, you're talking about a guy. The guy that's gone from Los Huevos to Canada. Now he's made it here to the New York Jets and he's blasting field goals through. My question is, 
Um, he's six for seven so far. He blasted a 55er in a couple games ago. What do, I mean? What do you do when Ficken comes back? Are we gonna? <laughs> this is a real yeah. question. We, we I don't think we should ever cut Castillo. He's been the greatest kicker we've had in years. He's awesome. He's great. He's the MVP so far, man. What? Ficken gets back. We're not. St- I'm sorry. You lost your job. Sergio looks great. The ball's going right through the uprights, just like the way Senor did it with his four toes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this, I mean, it is solid kicking, man. This kid is great, and he's got, and you see him on the sidelines, and he's praying. He's talking to the Lord. I love it, man. Like he's all in it. Like it's everything. Like kicking is like life. You could see it means that much, you know? Yeah, and he's got it. He's got a 50-yard field goal each of the last two games, so that's pretty good. Yeah. Not that he hasn't kicked that many extra points, but you know, actually, last game he kicked three. He's doing pretty good, Sergio. I mean, it's happy to see that. It's, it's disappointing when. I mean, last week, like, for instance, guys, and we haven't really gotten to the Patriot game too much. Mike talked about some highlights, and it's like, as you're watching the game, we go up, and you're feeling great, and then part of you is like, oh, man, we might not get the number one pick. But then when you're watching the game, and it's the Patriots, Mike, it's like, and work, it's like, you can't, I can't physically bring myself to root for the team to lose. And I know plenty of people can. I understand. Even, even the Jet fans that say they can do that, I get it. Yeah. I'm not going to even argue with you. I understand it. I know people saying it's in our best interest. I get it. I'm just saying, Keith, me, the way I'm constructed as a human, <clears throat> I can't bring myself to sit and hope we lose. When the actual yeah. game, when the game starts and they kick off and we have the ball, I just want to win. I don't want to lose, like, especially versus the Patriots. Yeah, no, like I couldn't do week. it. Like, like a game like that last week is different because it just, you know, it, you, you're basically playing. It's like Russia in the 80s. You know? And then we're on the look. We're on we're on line with a lot of these young Jet fans who listen to the show, you know. And I was on Twitter and and I said, "Let's get this W." And I got all these hate tweets from Jet fans. Like, what are you talking about? Don't you know what you're talking about? And the thing is, like, you young Jet fans, you know, I love you guys and and you have a lot of passion, but you just like we've been through this already. You know what I'm saying? Like how. Oh, let's tank and let's hope we get the number one pick and let's hope that that number one pick we can get Trevor Lawrence. He could be a bum. You you guys don't understand how many this can go on and on and on. You know what? When we play the Patriots, there's no damn way I'm hoping we lose. None. I hate that team. Never. I hate that team, and I will always root for the New York Jets when they're playing the, the Patriots. I don't care about the tank. Okay, you don't know if, if if who knows maybe the kid out of uh, North Dakota is yeah. gonna be, Trey Lance is gonna be the best player. I mean, l- look, Lamar Jackson ended up being the best quarterback out of that entire 2017 or 2018 draft class, and he was the last quarterback picked in the fit in the first round. Right? Everyone thought it was gonna be Sam. Well, look, look Sam wasn't the best guy, right? So you can't just. Because it's Trevor Lawrence and the media says he is the savior of all humans, that it's guaranteed he's going to be that. You know what I'm saying? You know what? If we get him, great. You know what? If we get Fields, great. Whoever it is, I'm going for him anyway. Yeah. I just want to win, dude. And you know what? One thing that one thing that getting crusty and old gives you, Mike, is it gives you some perspective. Now, if you're a younger Jets fan and you're, you're an older Jets fan and you want the Jets to lose and you don't understand why Mike would be saying, let's get this W, I understand. But the faster that people understand this fact in life, not just with sports, in life in general, this can help you. More than one thing can be true. 
So we live in this world of polarization. You hear one thing, someone has to say the opposite. And no one understands in the middle probably is more the reality. Mike can sit and watch the Jets and hope they win because he has no control over if they win or they lose. So he's, it doesn't matter if he roots one way or the other way. The game's going to go how it goes. Right. So when you're watching it, I can root for my team to win. Then once they don't win, you can go, all right, hey. Instead of being like all other years <coughs> or normal times when they lose at the patch and you're beaten up emotionally about it, now what we can do is say, hey, that's actually good for us. Both of those things I just said can be true at the same time. The faster people realize that, the easier it will be to watch games and maybe live your life. Have conversations with other people. More than one thing is true. Someone else's opinion isn't just wrong just because it's not the same as yours. Most of the time, in the middle is the reality. So when I watch the Jets, I don't go, oh, man, let's lose this one. Let's get whooped by the Chargers. Because I have, if they win or they lose or whatever happens when I turn the game on, it, what me rooting one way or the other doesn't change that. So I'm not going to root for a loss. I'm not going to program myself that way. But once they do lose, considering we're 0-9, if we then now go 0-10, it's just one step closer to Trevor. You know, I love this team. I've seen enough losses in my day, and you know, it doesn't look like we're going to get many wins this year. So I don't think we any of us have to sit and root for losses. I just think they're coming. You know, I just think that's a reality this year. Um, most of the games left on the schedule, you'd have to think uh, we're going to lose. Maybe the game versus Miami, we could sneak. Maybe uh, the, Raiders, the Raiders have looked pretty up. good. Yeah, we're gonna. I, I think we're gonna end up winning this game against the Chargers. I don't know why. I just, I, I, okay. Flacco, I, 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 I do, man. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, they looked good against the Patriots. Uh, the defense is trash. Desir is gone, but Bryce Hall is gonna be in there. But, but Keith, look, man. You know, I don't know. Uh, Joe Flacco looked like he had command of the offense. Brashard Perriman was cooking with gas, five receptions, 101 yards, two tees. You know what I'm saying? Uh, um, Mike, Denzel they're ten, Mike, they're 10-point underdogs right now. I understand. I just, I don't because know. the Chargers. No, they yeah. like the Chargers are so great. Herbert's, Herbert's, Herbert's playing great. Don't get me wrong. I know that's your boy, Wookie. And he's like absolutely tremendous so far. But he's still a rookie, and they should not be, oh, they should not be favored by 10 points over us. And no. they still are. It just... If that's where we're at. Every team we play this year is favored just to spank us, you know? Yeah. If they could win a game, rookie quarterback, anything could happen. And like me and you said uh, last week or whenever, Mike, any does any any game you play in the NFL, you know, you could return two interceptions in the game, and all of a sudden a team buffs a punt, you return that two, and somehow you have three touchdowns. You didn't have to you didn't even have to score them on offense. Any wacky thing could happen for yeah. us to win. Um, so I'll never say a hundred percent. It's just hard to ever feel confident. And another thing we haven't really alluded to too much is they did release Desir, uh yesterday, Mike. Three-year, $0.5 million contract they brought him in for this year. And even though he had three interceptions, he's been pretty disappointing in this game versus the Patriots this week especially. Jackals missed a whole bunch of plays, and I think they just saw enough. They figured Bryce Hall is as good or better than him already now. So why even hold on to Desir keep paying this contract? He's another guy who just... The Jets were like, screw it, let's just move on. Let's give a young guy a chance. That's right. Put him in there with Austin. That's the future anyway. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's well, the only other thing we haven't touched on too much with this Charger game is that we're still not going to see our boy Sam. Uh, looks like Joe Flacco is going to be out there this week. I mean, you mentioned it a couple times. We haven't really talked too much about his injury. I think if he was anywhere close to being able to play, I'm sure he'd be out there because Sam needs to get those reps, and the Jets probably want him to get those reps, Mike, because if they do stink and we do get the number one pick, they're going to be trading him. And him sitting on the bench is not helping his stock at all. 
Yeah, I heard of another rumor or a uh, another opinion about that. Well, one, I think that Gase realizes that he, I feel like he thinks he could win better with Flacco. So there could be that narrative or that push where he thinks he can get more wins with starting Flacco on Darnold. And then I think also Sam is trying to protect himself and uh, trying to protect himself from getting lowering his stock any lower. Um, but that was the other that, okay. The other thing I was telling you, yeah, Sam Stock is actually because of his name and, you know, where he was drafted and what the story is on him in that he has um, these very God-given, this God-given skill set that's very unique. Um, he has some mechanical issues he has to work on, his decision issues, but there are coaches out there that look at him like he can be a, a talent if, if properly coached. So um, there's some thought that keeping Sam, you know, out of the limelight will keep hold his value at wherever it is right now. If he were to go out there and just keep sucking, they could actually, uh, you know, hurt them on when they trade. But they're looking for a second round pick for him. And, and uh, supposedly the Indianapolis Colts are a team that potentially will be interested in, in paying for that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, man. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, wish I Sam think his stock. I think his stock, Mikey, because he started six games this year. He only has three touchdowns. He barely has a thousand yards the whole season. So yeah. I, I think I that is a different way to look at it. And you may be right. It may be his stock. Obviously, his stock dropped from last year to this year. But maybe yeah. Sam's like, look, I don't want it to plummet off further, like an actual stock in real life. So if I hit the pause button on this, whatever value people think I still have, right. I can hold on to that. As opposed to, I finish off these last um, four or five games, continue looking like a bag of trash, and I become Josh Rosen. So that's another. I didn't think about that, Mike. That could be a way you look at it. What do you think, Wook? Do you think which way do you think it is? Do you think it's calculated for Sam and the Jets to kind of sit him out, or do you think this is just something natural that's playing out with the Jets and uh, Flacco's just filling in just because Sam's legitimately hurt? Uh. I- I mean, I think it could be a little bit of both, but at this point, if it's the first, uh, the first one you said where it's calculated, I wouldn't even mind it because that would mean to me that they think uh, you know Sam is still capable of being the guy in the future. Um, okay. If they're calculating, true, true. Not putting him out there, <laughs> I would look at it as a sign like that. Yeah, and I'm just thinking like if I was Sam and say I was a competitor. The type of quarterback I want on my team is a guy that wants to be out there. So I don't think Sam would be doing it. Mike, you might be right, but I hope he's not that calculated because that that's like that that's not a winner to me. You know, no, I want someone that's like I'm trying to get out there and play. Not not to the detriment if you're going to hurt yourself. I don't mean that. Don't don't play if you're going to injure yourself worse. That that that's not logical. But if you can play and you're milking it or you're trying to protect your value moving forward, making a business decision, similar to Jamal Adams and the whole not tackling Malcolm Brown, Mike, you saw the video five times because me and you were laughing about it. If Sam's doing a, a version of that, that would disappoint me. You yeah. know, and then that wouldn't be someone I'd even want as my quarterback in, in, in to begin with. Uh, we'll see how that works out, man. We got Flacco at the helm again this week, guys. Yeah. Uh, we, get, we get a third Joe Flacco start this season, which we don't, you know, we don't deserve that as Jet fans, but he did play well last game. Um, he was slinging the ball to Perryman. I don't know what the hell is going on. Oh man, last that, week. that was to, just that throw to Crowder in the end zone was like the thing with the thing with Flacco is you're watching the game, and some of these passes are just horrific, right? And then some yeah. of the times he's dropping it right in the bucket, you know, and you're like, oh, and he's it seems like for whatever reason this year uh, the offense we did have. Well, I shouldn't say that, guys. One game with him, we had no points. 
But two of the games when he started, they actually played half decent, I guess. But the main thing, Mike, like we said, we could talk about Jamal Adams and his negativity. We could talk about draft picks. We could talk about cap space. We could talk about everything in the world. It all comes down to when the season's over, they have to fire Adam Gase or else nothing. Why do they think? Why do you think they kept him? Why do you think they're holding him? You know what I think it is? I have subscribed now to my original conspiracy theory, Mike, which I said around week four to you, which was this, that in Joe Douglas's mind, he thinks Adam Gase guarantees us the best chance of sucking for the whole year. And I'm not saying he thought that when the year started, but I mean, once it started unfolding and he saw the buffoonery and he saw the lack of leadership and he saw that we, we you know, we have the most pathetic offense you could possibly imagine. And the 94 Jets have a better offense than we do. And Joe, du- you saw Joe D just start trading dudes off. Bell's gone. McClendon's gone. Williamson's gone. All these different dudes are gone. They're, Desir just got cut. I think he's doing everything he can possible to tank this season. And I think keeping someone like Adam Gase, who's proven himself to be an absolutely horrible football coach, is the best way to ensure that. I know it sounds crazy, but nothing else makes sense. Because when you bring a All different right. voice in, when you bring a different voice and it's shown in the NFL, it might only be a short-term thing, but most teams respond positively. I, I have a different. I have a different reason. And you're not going to like my reason. And a lot of Jeff fans out in here are going to be like, that's stupid. But I, I have a feeling this is why Joe D is keeping him. You know, Adam Gase is a terrible head coach. There's no question. He's the worst head coach in the fr- his franchise history. Not even close. But when you begin to see coaches get fired, when you see that actually happening, like what it happened in the Browns, uh, Jackson, excuse me, when he got fired, you know, the team was just receivers and players were just yelling at one another and taking plays off. And it was just a mess. And they ended up, you know, canning him. Atlanta, you know, there was fighting in the locker rooms and stuff. And a lot of times, once you lose the players and the players are turning on each other and the players are just, that's when the coach usually gets the dagger. And the one credit that I give the New York Jets, not Adam Gase, but the New York Jets, these young kids, they have fight. They have not quit. Not one game. And every Jet fan that watches knows, yeah, we're getting blown out. But these kids are playing, man. And they're not stopping. They're trying. They're literally, we suck that bad. But they're trying. And they're a team. You know what I'm saying? And so I feel like Joe D is like, you know what? To your point, maybe. Yeah, let's keep Gase. And it's ensuring the tank. But it holds it holds the team like if you keep it status quo the team is still the team of these young kids and then at the end of the year we let Adam Gase go we bring in a new coach but these players have fought as a team together through all of this and then next year they have all of that under that like under pat like they've been through the storm together and yeah, they yeah. stick. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and, no, I mean, exactly. think of that again. You may agree. Just well, it's how life I'm works. Just saying, the way life works is yes. that uh, the way people bond and how teams work and relationships work and how people get closer together is through shared experiences. Right. I mean, psychology and life has proven that. That's kind of how life works. Neg- really traumatic experiences you share with another person brings you very close together. And it could be in sports, it could be in life, in many different facets, yeah. right? But that's no. the truth. And that's what- sucking this bad, if they lose every game, anyone who comes, anyone who rides with us next year from this year say they lose every game say they go one and 15 mike and they have to have that stain on them 
And they yeah. rolled into 2021 with nine new draft picks and $80 million of free agents they might have used up, you know? That's going to be a different team, and anyone that was there this year will remember this year. Yep. And that's the motivation. I mean, think of, you think about what happened with Wookie. That's why Wookie and, and Senor are so close, because he got him out for ice fishing years oh, yeah. back. Remember that? And then you guys got stuck out there, and that's oh. how y'all got really close. And Senor was upset with you because Senor doesn't like the snow, you know? And I, and I know it was a traumatic experience for both of you, but that's how you guys got close. Yeah, Absolutely. That's how I got on, uh, invited onto the uh, the helicopter, uh, Los Huevos uh, 1. That's the wow. first time how I got uh, the invitation. <laughs> you know, I Man, you know, I, it's like I'm so jealous of these stories Wookie has of him and him and Senor. Like, I wish I could just I just want to meet the Senor once because he's, he's chimed in a few times. And apparently he's going to jump on the show in a few weeks. And, Mike, I heard that his son has an interview coming up with Adam Gase uh, for those what? that should be great too that's going to come out next no. week that's what? what I heard now that's what and Wookie because um, you know Wookie's actually if you guys look at Wookie's kind of like David Hasselhoff in Germany that's Wookie in Los Huevos uh, <laughs> if you go down there he's a big deal like he sang karaoke the first time he was there and ever since then record deal takes a lot of nope. 70s classics Wookie, you do sing some Dean Martin too some Frank Sinatra which you get in there but also some some Nirvana STP now Wookie mixes it up but he's a big deal down there in Los Huevos and for, for many for a lot of good reasons Wookie because obviously you're an amazing human and you contributed a lot down there no one more than Joe Flacco, though, who we know is the all-time uh, legend of Los Huevos. Uh, and the fact that he ended up on the Jets is just... They, they only write these stories in the Disney movies, guys. <laughs> you know, that's, a Disney, that's a Disney Plus show coming out in 2025, the Joe Flacco Los Huevos story. That'll be a good one. All right, everybody. So happy you joined us this week. Got a little hot at the beginning of the show talking about Jamal Adams and his uh, all his feelings and emotions, Mike, and his sensitivities and his feel needs to drag us through the mud. Um, I think I can speak on behalf of many Jeff fans where you can go after yourself, Jamal Adams. I won't say the words and bleep myself out, but that's what I got for you, bro. And, yo, this was a great show. I was happy to talk with you guys. We didn't get to chat last week. Mike, if anyone doesn't want to listen to us, support us, and get at us in any way, shape, or form, where can they do that? Well, we're hosted on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com. Please follow us on Facebook at AEBG. Dot Jets Radio on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ podcast and on Instagram at Jet dot AEBG. You heard the man on behalf of the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, and the big stinking Wookiee Nicholas Cronk. My name is Keith Farrell. Get at you next week, everybody. Peace out. Hey, this is Sean Amos, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans, Jet fans, Jet fans, fans are very passionate. Bird, ready, bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans are very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the Don't want a number leaver.